We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? What is going on? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you being here. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Today, today we're going to talk about the 49ers 28-216 win over the Seahawks. And I got to give you a solid warning right out the gate. You could probably already hear it. Had a long weekend. I was outside most of the weekend hosting uh, one of our bi-yearly, I guess you could say. Is that is that how you say it? Twice a year? It's so much easier to just say twice yearly, but I mean, even that sounds a little silly. So we were hosting a massive airsoft game up, up, in, the, uh, up in the Sierra Nevada foothills slash mountains, somewhere in between 175, 180 people out there. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool event. If you don't know what airsoft is, it's just... People playing with toy guns that shoot plastic BBs, but the toy guns look really, really cool, look really, really realistic and neat. And everybody gets to wear this super neat and realistic gear and just kind of like a more advanced version of like role models with like the foam swords and the minotaurs and the the kings and the, you know, all that stuff. I'll get what I'm saying. So I've been outdoors all weekend. I'm probably somewhere in between a cold. It got really cold in Fresno this weekend. Lows of like 35. I'm probably somewhere between allergies and a cold. I've been sneezing all day, got the sniffles. So I'm going to do my absolute best to get through this pod in a sane and listenable manner. Your boy already sounds like some weird mix between Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog. And now my nose is stuffy and I know this just cannot be the greatest listen. I know it. I'm I'm willing to admit that. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get through some, some minor talking points. And then I'm going to get over your takeaways and then we're going to get the hell out of here. Not because I want to be gone, just because I want to, uh, I want to spare you the indignity of listening to this uh, atrocity. That is my, my voice and persona right now. So I do apologize. And if, if you choose to, to move on and tune out, I, I understand. I really do. I'm, 
I ask you to stay, but you don't have to. I, I understand. I just, we all have these days, you know, and, and there was no way I just wasn't going to pod when the 49ers just grasped the number one seed in the NFC for now in, uh, with an assist from the Dallas Cowboys. How often would you, uh, would you find yourself saying that? 49ers fans won't admit it, but they were Cowboys fans today. They all were. You saw them on on social media. You saw them on Twitter celebrating that number one seed. They were Cowboys fans. Come on. Guys, guys, come on. Come sit down. Come back. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding, but you should still just come back and sit down. Even though I just said I wouldn't judge you if you left because I sound like I'm speaking through some type of uh, wind tunnel. But All right. So, again, the 49ers beat the Seahawks 28-16. to on the same day, in Sunday night, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles 33 to 13, I think. Uh, so the Eagles are in a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a downward spiral, a final descent. No, I mean they're they're still the Eagles. They're still a tough team. And they're coming off this massive, you know, gauntlet of teams where they went the distance with the Bills and the Chiefs came out on top, and then they lost convincingly to both the 49ers and the Cowboys. So the 49ers now we'll we'll get the we'll get the uh, the stuff you want to hear I'm assuming um out of the way up front the 49ers are now the number 1 seed in the NFC and they are in the position that every football team wants to be in. Now, you can still hold a tiny bit of resentment toward the 49ers for that three game losing skid if they would have won one maybe two of those then they would they would be sitting comfortably right now. But they're not. They're tied with both the Cowboys and the Eagles, but they have the tiebreaker over both. So they're sitting up top. They have multiple tiebreakers. Beckers. Multiple tiebreakers. They have better conference records than both the Eagles and the Cowboys. That is, that is a tiebreaker. And they also hold head-to-head. So they're in a decent spot for where they are, all things considered. So right now they currently hold the number one seed. That means they get a first round buy in the playoffs, which is absolutely massive. I said that slow and obnoxiously slow to emphasize the importance of having a buy in January. I think it's in January, late December, January. It should be January. So, That's the first thing. And then not to mention the fact that they have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. If they win in the first round, which would be the divisional round of the playoffs, then they still have home field advantage, meaning the 49ers are hosting the NFC championship game. If they win that, they're traveling just uh, from San Francisco. I guess it's probably a little bit longer. Just a short drive up the road. Not so short drive up the road to Las Vegas. They don't even need to get on a plane if they want to, even though they will, because then it's about an hour. Man, those flights to Vegas are always so dicey. What's the airline that does them? Allegiant? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, because that's where they named the stadium after. I have been on some shaky Vegas flights. And, hey, it's it's 45 minutes. It's an hour. It's a hell of a lot better than a super boring six-hour drive. But, man, those flights get dicey. I remember sitting, like, towards the back third, just watching everybody's head shake back and forth from the turbulence. They're like, yeah, well, you know, we're landing in Vegas. It gets hot, and when heat rises, it causes some turbulence, and everybody's just, it was was not quite, uh, you know, emergency time, but it, it wasn't fun. I'm not a huge fan of flying. I've flown a lot. 
used to come home all the time when I was in the military because I was in El Paso and it was just two short flights home. I used to, I've, I've flown, to, flown to Hawaii most, uh, you know, many times, at least three times. Um, I've flown all over quite a few states for the military and I'm used to it. I, you know, I don't get scared, but I don't enjoy it. I don't like not being in control. I understand a car is more dangerous, but I just don't like flying because, and also zero room for air. Zero. Anyways, sorry, 49ers. So the 49ers are number one in the NFC. They, what I was going to say before I so expertly distracted myself was they are in control of their own playoff destiny. Now, obviously, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. But if the 49ers win out, they will be the number one seed. Nobody can take that from them at this point if they win the rest of their football games. Okay, Would you like to know what the rest of the 49ers football games are? Most of you probably already do know. Let's get over it. So the 49ers next week will travel to face the Arizona Cardinals, who are coming off a bye week, which is weird. Why does a team have a bye week in mid-December? Any Anybody? Bueller? Like, whoa. Why is there a team with a bye week in December? Could you imagine if that was the 49ers? You know, or imagine if that was a playoff team just ran, like getting a. I mean, now that does mean that they just went through an absolute hell of a first two thirds of a season type of deal. You know, it, it has its drawbacks, but man, getting a bye week in December when teams are on like playoff runs and stuff. Give me one and a half seconds. Quick nose blow. Okay, I'm back. Hey, this is this is live. I'm not. We're not editing that out. I know I muted it, so I, I'm I'm saving some of my dignity. But transparency is 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 the word here. So the 49ers bird tour continues. They're going to face the Cardinals on the road. The Cardinals are coming off a bye. That is a sneaky, difficult matchup. Then I'm. I don't even know how the words to put for it. I think the four, Cardinals have a chance of a serious chance of upsetting the 49ers. And then they obviously have a what could be a Super Bowl preview matchup against the Ravens at Levi's Stadium on Christmas. And then they will travel quite a ways across the country, across the country, to face the Washington Commanders on the road. That is New Year's Day, or excuse me, New Year's Eve Day. 49ers really got screwed. They played on Thanksgiving. They're playing on Christmas and they're playing on new or the day of new year's Eve. It's like, damn. And then they face the Rams at home on a date to be determined in what is another sneaky, difficult matchup. The Rams went toe to toe with the Ravens today and the Ravens won in overtime with a walk-off punt return touchdown. So Matthew Stafford is playing a very good brand of football right now. The Rams are rolling. Sean McVay is probably going to get some type of coach of the year consideration, or he might be the favorite. I have no idea. So the 49ers remaining schedule in my eyes is not easy at all. Can the 49ers win all four games? Of course. They're the Super Bowl favorites, and they're considered the best team in the NFL. Of course they can win all four. They can win all four convincingly. That's just what this team is capable of. But the Cardinals coming off a bye with Kyler Murray, nothing to lose. You know, that is a dangerous, dangerous matchup. Then you've got the Ravens, who are just a dangerous matchup in every obvious way you could point to. 
at Commanders, that team is all usually stubborn, especially that defense. They haven't done much this year. Uh, so I'm not necessarily holding them in that same regard. And then, like I said, you got the Rams to close out the season. I feel like the 49ers are always playing the Rams to close out the season. So interesting times for the 49ers right now. Their destiny is within their own hands. It's within their own reach. The one thing that is going to keep them from getting there and, and is one of the most obviously dangerous things the 49ers have always encountered is health and the injury bug. After the game against the Seahawks, cornerback Charvarius Ward uh, left the game with a groin injury and did not return. Uh, Kyle Shanahan knows that Ward has a history of groin injuries. Now, Ward was kind of running back and forth on the sideline, kind of trying to stretch out, feel how it feel how it was. He did not come back in. So we're waiting to hear the severity on that. Kyle Shanahan just noted that he does have a history with groin injuries, so we'll see. Um Defensive lineman Javon Hargrave did come out with a hamstring injury and did not return. Those can be significant. Those can be, depends on the the grade of the strain. If he has a strain, whether it's a major or slight pull, it could be as much as no time or as little as no time to as much as three to four weeks. It just depends. He might not miss any time at all. I'm certainly not reporting that he's going to miss time, but things are still up in the air for Javon Hargrave. Uh, Dre Greenlaw left the game with a hip injury, but he came back in pretty quickly, I believe, for the next series and played for the rest of the game. Um, backup linebacker Oren Burks uh, left the game with a knee injury, and Shanahan said uh, Shanahan said something. Maybe I misheard. He might have been talking about Greenlaw, but I thought he said that Burks came back in, but Demetrius Flanagan Foles was in the game, so we'll see. More on those. Um, in a, a little more positive news, the 49ers added cornerback Jason Verrett to the pa- practice squad. So the prodigal son returns, the absolute unequivocally best player in the NFL to have the worst injury luck, injury prone, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jason Verrett is probably the most talented ever, uh, talented player ever to have the worst injury luck. And he's back with the 49ers after the Texans released him about a week, week and a half ago, I believe. So there's some more depth there if Ferret is healthy. And Ferret came in for the 49ers a couple years ago and had just an absolutely outstanding season, went toe-to-toe with some of the NFL's best receivers and did well. It's just a matter of the fact that he he cannot stay healthy. And that's to no fault of his own. You can tell every time you talk to him, uh, had plenty of conversations with him in the locker room and in the media room. And you could tell he, he just, he wants nothing more than to be able to play football. But his body is is betraying him in that sense. So it's a tough it's a tough get for uh, Verrett, but it, it's good to have him back on the roster. Everybody in the NFL is rooting for him. So uh, it, it's yet to be seen how high he'll climb in terms of will he be activated to the active will he be sent to the active roster? You know, will he ever get the chance to come in? But again, with with Ward out with a groin injury, the 49ers announced they signed him to the practice squad like right after the game. So. That could be a small sign pointing towards the severity of Ward's injury, but we'll see. And Ward is the 49ers' best corner. He's really come on for the last, the latter half of the season. Really centered to turn it up. So um, we'll see on that one. Um, but if the 49ers can stay healthy, they are the best team in the NFL. They will be Super Bowl favorites. The one thing that seems like they can that could beat them consistently at this point, corny enough, is uh, is injuries. So hopefully, none of those injuries are serious for the 49ers. All right, moving on to the game. Uh, my overall thoughts were a little sloppy, kind of exactly what you'd expect coming off just this, 
you know, what had to have been an absolute emotional high, uh, uh, you know, beating the Eagles last week, the way they beat them convincingly worse than the Eagles have, have been beaten in a long time. Um, worse than the, the Cowboys beat them uh, tonight, you know, 42 to 19. So you expected a team that was probably going to be a little bit flat, you know, that was probably going to struggle to get going. And, and of course, that, that was the case. If you go to the game book and you'll see, I believe the score at halftime was 10 to 14. Let's go look. Gosh. Let me see. I don't know. I know it's on here, but I'm just, I'm tired. You guys, yeah. 10 to, 10 to 7. No, this was in the second quarter. Okay. 14 to 10. My bad. I, 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 I warned you. Okay. Give me some credit. Okay. My brain is barely moving. I'm exhausted. I've got fluid draining out of my nose. All right. So 49ers went into halftime leading 14 to 10, which is not exactly what you'd expect from, uh, you know, the 49ers recent dominance of the Seahawks. I think they've beaten them now five times in a row. Thought I saw someone tweet that that was like a franchise record, which is pretty insane. Um, so it was close at the half, and that kind of the feeling we got. We talked about it on the way up to the pod. The Seahawks were just dangerous enough to to give the 49ers a run for their money coming off a game like that. Uh, the 49ers started to turn it up in the second half. You know, they 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 scored a touchdown, and then Seattle was able to get a um, Seattle was able to come back and score one of their own, but the two point was stopped. The 49ers scored another touchdown to kind of put the game away, I guess you could say, but it was, it was just a little sloppy from the 49ers and you can call it gritty. You can call it back and forth. You can call it what we've called it, which is just a weird divisional game. But the 49ers had a ton of mistakes that made, they felt like they should blow out the Seahawks and no, I'm not calling a 12 point lead, a blowout. That's a two possession game. Like, are we calling two possession games blowouts now? Like, come on, let's, what the 49ers did to the Eagles last week is, is a blowout. 42 to 19 is a blowout. 16 to 28. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know, guys. What do you anyways? So it was it was a little sloppy. There were so many mistakes that really made this game seem closer than it should have been. It, it, you know, it, it is what it is. It is what the scoreboard says it is. Um the 49ers started their their list of mistakes with what looked like we'd have to get some sort of confirmation of this. Um, a poorly ran route from Brandon Ayuk. He ran to the round spot on the field. He was kind of supposed to run a hit or a, kind of a hitch back towards the quarterback. You can call it a curl. You can call it a comeback, whatever you want. Like, you know, everybody gets their directions messed up on those. But he was kind of supposed to turn and come straight back towards the quarterback. And that's where Purdy threw it. Well, per, uh, Ayuk came like straight back to where like almost – in the direction he ran, you know, he was running straight and he came, followed his path straight backwards. Purdy's throw was inside where he, the angle he thought he was going to take. Purdy, uh, Ayuk dove inside, tried to catch the ball. It hit his fingertips, bounced up and right into the hands of Love, I believe, the Seahawks safety. So that was the first mistake. And the conversation you could see Ayuk and Shanahan having on the sideline, it looked like it was probably Ayuk's mistake. Um, and then later on, in an amazingly awesome fashion, 49ers punter Mitch Wisnowski calls his own number, sees the Seahawks are covering his punt poorly, leaving nobody essentially on outside contained to make sure he doesn't fake it. So he takes off and gains 13 yards. No, 33 yards. Excuse me. It might have even 33 yards. I got to see. 
Did they give him care credit for? Oh no, well it got wiped out. I was gonna say I, I would like to see what that care, that carry went for, but I believe it was around thirty yards. Well, Ronnie Bell, who was the I believe he was the gunner, ended up trying to block a defender or realizing that Wisniewski was running because from everything up until this point, we were told that Wisniewski's punt was not planned. Fake punt was not planned. Ronnie Bell kind of tried to put on the brakes to block the guy that was going to try and tackle Wisniewski and slipped and still kind of tried to block him. You can see him kind of shore up his shoulder and just still try to block him, even though he slipped. And I got, you know, I got some people were pissed off at me on Twitter because I was like, damn, that is a huge mistake. Wipes out a 30 something yard gain that would have put the 49ers in the red zone. And the way the 49ers moved the ball for most of the day, it, you kind of just had that confidence they were going to score. And everybody was upset. They're like, well, he tripped. And I was like, yeah, true. Tripping is an accident slash a mistake. And, and that's not really what I was talking about. But you can tell that after he trips, I mean, he's a rookie. He's still trying to contribute to the play. And you can't fault him for that. But he still tries to kind of like as he's falling, kind of put his shoulder into the guy's knees and just be a part of the play. And it's hard to blame him for that. And so he got flagged for um, illegal blocking below the waist, I think. It was a ticky-tack flag. You can, you can still tell that that Bell still tried to block him despite slipping. So in there lies the mistake. But again, I'm not I'm not crucifying him for it. I'm not saying it's the worst thing. Uh, it was just another one of the mistakes the 49ers could add there because that was a huge play on offense, completely wiped out. There was a, a a foul on the defense too, but they canceled each other out and they just had to repunt. Um, Ayuk had a big play, caught a big play from Christian McCaffrey was going to be probably a 40 ish yard gain. And he gets ran down by the Seahawks safety. I think it was love again, who reaches over his arm and swats the ball down and causes a fumble and the Seahawks recover. And it was just lazy football from Brandon Ayuk, who had the football like halfway down and out in his arm rather than high and tight as it always should be. Um, and a defender came up behind him and swatted him away. And it, and it could have very easily gone about out of bounds. He was right along the sideline. It didn't stay in bounds. Seahawks recover. So that at that point, that was depending on how you analyze that route. That was two turnovers attributed to Brandon Ayuk. And then later on the 49ers on fourth down, I believe it was a fourth and four. The Seahawks went for it, threw a quick jump ball to DK Metcalf, and it was picked up by picked off by Dion Lenore, Lenore. Lenore. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. Uh, and Nick Bosa jumped off sides, which wiped out that play. So you had a performance against the Seahawks that should have been a blowout. It feels like the 49ers should have won like 40 to 16, but they made so many mistakes just to make it an interesting game. And, you know, a win's a win. They got it done. But each win paints a different story, and this wasn't, kind of the getting all their, you know, their eyes dotted and their T's crossed type of a 49ers win. It was definitely a weird divisional game, especially with Drew Locke starting for the Seahawks. Geno Smith was out with like a groin injury. Drew Locke started, put on a halfway decent performance, didn't embarrass himself. But now back to the positives. Um, Because, uh, I mean, I just figured I'd start with, you know, my my critiques and then move from there. Sorry, I dropped a tape measure. Yeah, I don't know why I have a tape measure in my hand. Just one of those days. We're moving on. Um, the 49ers can beat you in so many different ways. So many ways. 
I mean, you had Debo Samuel, seven catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, six catches for 126 yards, uh, no touchdowns. George Kittle, three catches, 76 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 16 carries for 145 yards. Christian McCaffrey's biggest play was the first play of the game, which was a 72-yard game going all the way down inside the five. Debo Samuel's biggest play, 54 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, 45 yards on what I think was a scramble drill, and he, he should have had that other play that he fumbled the ball away on. I mean, that'll still get counted. You just also had the fumble. Uh, Kittle, I mean, fighting through a hole to catch a perfectly thrown ball by Purdy. Brock Purdy th- completes 70% of his passes for three 168 yards. That is just so impressive. NFL defenses are terrified of what the 49ers can do and how many different players can do it. It's as simple as that. Debo Samuel averaged 21.3 yards per catch. Ayuk, 21 yards. Kittle, 25.3. Christian McCaffrey, 9.1 yards per carry. Per carry. I mean, what the hell? And even Brock Purdy's one interception, if 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 it is what it looked like, wasn't even his fault. This team is just playing out of their minds. On you know, it's it, it was far from a flawless game. The 49ers punted five times and you know had two turnovers. Touchdown, punt, punt, interception, touchdown, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, fumble, punt. So it wasn't clean at all for the 49ers. But if this is dirty, if this is gritty, if this is ugly for the 49ers, then damn. I mean, I would say, what do they look like when they're firing all cylinders? But that would be last week against the Eagles where they scored on six straight possessions. Two punts, touchdown, 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 touchdown. So it's it's a different thing watching this 49ers offense. Trent Williams had a great quote after the game talking to Aaron Andrews, just basically saying, like, put on the film, man, watch Brock Purdy play quarterback. And if you come away from that thinking that it's just the system, then I question your football knowledge. That's exactly what he said, essentially. Which is good because there's I, I tweeted out a real snarky tweet earlier this week saying, look, for all of you people out there trying to spend serious time discrediting the Brock Purdy, you know, who's was the last pick of last year's draft, who just finished up seven, his 17th regular season game. Like, congrats, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. But the idea that people go out of their way to, to try and find holes in Purdy's game, despite just what we've seen from him on a week-to-week basis when it comes to accuracy, anticipation, he sets up his receivers to be able to gain yards after the catch because the throw is perfect. How many times did we see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throw a pass deep where a player just kind of had to either dive and catch it or fall and catch it or turn around and fall over, you know, and it would still move the chains, but that's why we're seeing the 49ers offense with just these ridiculous, gaudy, explosive play numbers. You know, if you, if you go to the, um, where's it at here? I think I got to scroll all the way down. The 10 longest plays for the San Francisco 49ers. Christian McCaffrey, 72 yards. Brock Purdy, deep pass, 54 yards. Brock Purdy, deep pass, 45 yards. Brock Purdy, deep pass, 44 yards. Brock Purdy, pass short left to Debo Samuel for 30 yards. Brock Purdy, pass deep left to George Kittle. Brock Purdy, pass deep left to Brandon Ayuk. 
Brock Purdy pass, short middle to Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's like, damn. It's just this shotgun of red and gold pellets. Like, which one do you want to die from? You know, it's, I, I guess it's kind of morbid of me, but you know what I mean? It's just like, pick your poison. You know, I guess it's a bare way of saying it. Two seconds. Tissue pause starting now. Was that two seconds? Did I make it? I don't know. So y'all are putting what I'm putting down. This this 49ers offense is just unreal. Unreal. And to me, Christian McCaffrey is the engine. Like, I get it. I, I believe uh, Purdy should get some serious MVP consideration. He's earned every ounce of it. But to me, like, I still think he's the MVP of this offense, but it's like, it's hard to quantify what I'm, what I'm feeling. It's Christian McCaffrey just feels like the core of the offense. Now, you know, he's the, he's the, the core in the middle of the earth. He's the explosion within the combustion engine. He's the gunpowder within the bullet. You know what I mean? He, he seems like the reason it all works so well. You know, and and I could say the same things about Purdy, really. Maybe it's both of them together. But when you watch this team and you watch the yards that Christian McCaffrey gains on plays that just seem broken or, you know, they're meant for two yards and he gains six. They're meant for negative two and he gains two. You know, or they're meant for 15 and he gains 75. It's just, it's this weird, just... I mean, I'm sure there's statistics that are impeccably proved that this 49ers offense since, since Christian McCaffrey got here, you know, is much better. We've talked about it before. There's those numbers have been out there, but it's it's one of those game feelings, you know, like you watch the game and you're like, man, this dude is just driving this team forward. And I and I do think Purdy has, you know, now that I'm speaking about it, has just as much say in that. And they all do, really. You know, there's such a well-rounded team, but man, Christian McCaffrey is just, he is something else. He, he is an unbelievable player and it's just wild to watch him. You know, it's, it's weird because I mean, I, before anything, I'm a fan of just the game of football and to watch Christian McCaffrey play football is just an experience. That dude just needs it to his core. It's, it's impressive. It's impressive. Brock Purdy, we talked about it. Just dealing. How many on their 10 longest plays? I mean, like uh, almost all of them. Seven out of 10, maybe six out of 10, seven out of 10 were all deep passes. 72 yards, 54 yards, 45 yards, 44 yards, 30 yards, 27 yards, 25 yards. Explosive, 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 explosive. They should have scored more points. You had that interception that maybe shouldn't have happened. You had that fumble that absolutely shouldn't have happened. They should have had more points. You know, that'll be something that maybe comes back to bite them uh, when they push into the postseason. But damn, damn. On defense, uh, a pretty solid effort. You know, it, it looked solid. It looked very chippy. Oh, hold on. This might be a sneeze break. One second. Okay, I'm back. I think I'm back. I'm like looking up, you know, doing that like looking up thing. Like, oh, if I look up, I won't sneeze. Yeah, my body doesn't care. I may have them edit out that one. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it wasn't that long, but I am, you know, does it does it decrease the 
the genuineness of the pod. Anyways, you guys are going through it with me. I appreciate you if you're still here throughout my random pauses. A solid effort from the defense. Uh, they make some big plays. And again, Nick Bosa was a part of those mistakes. They weren't without flaw. Avery Thomas, even on one of the touchdowns, there, there were some key plays that seemed like it gave the Seahawks offense life that it probably shouldn't have had. There was one play, I believe it was third and third and about 12 to 14. I'm pretty sure with my limited defensive scheme knowledge that Nick Bosa kind of screwed the 49ers on this play because here's what happens. It looks like the 49ers call like a double B-gap blitz. I want to say it was Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner coming right up the B-gap. It might not have been Dre Greenlaw, but I know it was Fred Warner. And what happens is they they call this, and not only do those two players come screaming up the B-gap right into Drew Locke's face, but Nick Bosa, who was on the left edge and, you know, on the outside, then does a spin move towards the inside and almost just completely takes Fred Warner out and gives up outside contain in one move. So I can't imagine Chris Kosurek, defensive line coach, or Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator, wanted three different players going through the same gap at nearly the exact same time. It didn't work. Drew Locke just darted to the right and threw for the first down. Um, and But it was, it was deep in their own territory. It was a play for the 49ers to really, you know, put a stamp on things. And I wouldn't even say put a stamp on things because the game, game was still in contention at that point. But you had that, you know, you had – uh, you had the offsides that gave him an automatic first down and wiped up an interception, wiped off an interception near midfield. Uh, Dre Greenlaw missed a, a one-on-one with Zach Charbonnet, and he broke for another 23 yards. There was some weird plays, uh, you know, on the on one of the scoring plays there where Drew Locke threw a deep first drive of the game for the Seahawks. Drew Locke threw a deep pass, 30 yards uh, left to DK Metcalf, and Avery Thomas was in great position. He was there. Maybe not quite as good of a like he turned and looked for the ball, tried to find the ball and put his arm up. He wasn't, you know, they typically coach that that action is reserved for you're running with the receiver, you're in phase, you're not threatened by their speed anymore, and you're in good position, turn around and find the ball. Thomas wasn't in perfect position, but he wasn't in bad position. Puts his hand up, turns around, and the ball goes right by his elbow and straight into the hands of DK Metcalf, who essentially did. Uh, a toe tap and and then scooted into the pylon. So even on that play, um, you know, where they were getting beat, it wasn't egregious, you know, and that was their first touchdown of the game and their first drive of the game. And then after that, the defense said punt, field goal, punt, punt, end of half, punt, punt, touchdown, interception, punt, interception. So it wasn't all bad for the 49ers defense. Jair Brown got a, a clutch make a play safety play, you know, that, that, that stereotypical, that premier safety, deep coverage. They throw it deep to a receiver. Here comes the safety jumps up, picks it off. Uh, meant for DK Metcalf jumped up and, and, and picked it off. And, uh, just one of those stereotypical plays that you, you want to see a safety make. So good things from Jair Brown right now. Javon Kinlaw continues to continues to turn it up, continues to make plays. And with Eric Armstead out, the 49ers could really use a boost from Javon Kinlaw. He had he shared half a sack with Nick Bosa. He had another quarterback hit and a tackle for loss. Uh, Nick Bosa had a hell of a game. He had six total tackles, a sack and a half. 
uh, a tackle for loss and a pass breakup. Fred Warner had eight tackles, led the team, one interception, one pass breakup. I had someone say in the comments that Twitter comments that Fred Warner should have batted the ball down because it was an interception on fourth down. And he may have been able to, but if you watch that play, Fred DK Metcalf is screaming. It was, it was very underthrown because Chase Young tipped the ball as uh, Drew Locke was trying to throw it. And DK Metcalf is like screaming back up the field, trying to get under the ball on Fred Warner kind of like undercuts him at the last second. So could Fred Warner have just knocked that down like he was a DB and then, you know, give the 49ers much better field position? Absolutely. But with the DK Metcalf right there, you're really at that point not taking any chances. And I'm not sure Metcalf had a chance at the ball, but it was close. And then they immediately got into a fight. And here's where a problem arises. It could be a serious problem for the 49ers. So you started with DK Metcalf tackling Fred Warner after he picked off the ball, even though Fred Warner, he didn't realize it, had already pitched it to Dre Greenlaw illegally. DK Metcalf slams Fred Warner. Fred Warner immediately gets back up and just before DK Metcalf could even get all the way up is like tackling DK Metcalf back, even though neither of them have the ball. And then DK Metcalf grabs onto Fred Warner's face mask. Fred Warner's got his arms out like, hey, look at this. They throw the penalty on DK Metcalf. And then Diamondo Lenore comes up and, and pushes DK Metcalf to get him off of Warner. That wasn't what he got the flag on. But then a huge kind of fight slash big scrum. Teams are coming in off the bench. They're all fighting. And you can see Diamondo Lenore just go running into the pile and throw this Tiger uppercut and knock, I think his name's Bobo. I can't remember. I want to say he's a backup tight end. Might not be a backup tight end, but his name is like Bobo. Hits him in the helmet. His helmet comes like all the way up off his head or floats on the top of his head. And you and Diamondor Lenore was ejected from the game because one of the officials saw this. And yes, it was a massive scrum of players. But Lenore just running into the pile and throwing a haymaker at just anybody who he could hit might get him suspended. And with Ward out, that could explain why the, uh, and it could be another explanation as to why the 49ers went so quickly after Jason Verrett, because Lenore might be getting suspended. And with Traverius Ward out, that puts, um, let me put all my pieces together here. That puts, why am I forgetting the one corner I want to remember? That came in briefly. Sorry, that was a a sniff that I didn't have time to mute myself for. Please forgive. Please forgive. So the 49ers, if Ward is significantly injured and Lenore gets suspended, which I have no idea how the 49ers or how the league office is going to handle that. Uh, you've got Isaiah Oliver. You've got Ambry Thomas, who's been out there. Uh, Samuel Womack was the name I was looking for. So those are the three that are still out there that may end up being the 49ers starting corners for a game. Uh, rookie Darrell Luter Jr. has been out with a leg injury, uh, and and we'll see where Ward's at. So the fact that Lenore felt it necessary to just run in there and Tiger uppercut, and, and you know, it was just, why? It seemed a little much. It seemed a little immature. It, it was weird. And I understand I'm not on the field, I'm not doing what those guys are doing, and with that amount of adrenaline running through my veins, but it's it, it was just unfortunate to watch. It seemed a little unnecessary. and. Well, hopefully that doesn't come back to pay the 49ers 
in a game, you know, and basically every, in a situation where they need to win every game from here on out. So not a, not a bad effort from defense. Um, again, they only allowed two touchdowns and a field goal. They did stop a two point conversion. Chase Young got the sack on that one. Uh, it doesn't count as an official sack. My price books would have appreciated that, but which is something I've never understood. Why on a two point conversion, on a play where the offense can literally score points, if they throw it and the dude in the end zone catches it or they run it in, they get two points. Real things that go on a scoreboard, then whatever the defense does should count. You get an interception on a two-point, it should count. You get a sack on a two-point, it should count. If they can score points, if they can impact the game on their side of the ball, then whatever you do on the defensive side of the ball should... It, it blows my mind that it doesn't count. It's a play where they can score points. Of course it should count. It's wild to me. It's wild. It's wild. All right. Prize picks. Not a lot to say here, guys. Didn't do too well. Chase Young did not. And I guess you you could see a little bit of motivation there. Chase Young did not have more than 0.25 of a sack. Debo Samuel did not have more than 13 and a half rushing yards. Geno Smith was removed for not playing. DK Metcalf did not have more than 64 yards. He had 52. The only one that I hit on was Brock Purdy having more than 256 passing yards. And like I said, He had a monstrous 368. So not a a great, not great, Bob, when it comes to the prize picks. But despite my graveling, if you if you don't already know, prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. You pick between two to six players. What stat projection do you want to focus on? Are you focused on sacks? Are you focused on rushing yards, receiving yards, receptions, targets, field goal points, tackles? They got it all. They got it all. So you, your two to six players picked your stack production, put in your your uh, your entry and watch the winnings roll in. I love it because it's just so simple. It's it's just it's intuitive. It's you get on there, you know exactly what you're going to get. It's easy. It takes no time. You can have an entry done in less than sixty seconds. Search what team you want to focus on. Find the stat you like. Find the player you like. Bam, take it more or less, and you go. Prizepicks.com/gold and use promo code gold. And what they're going to do is they will match any deposit, first deposit, of up to 100 bucks. Prizepicks.com slash gold. Promo code gold. I appreciate you guys. Get on the PrizePix bandwagon with me. Just get on there and do better than I'm doing. Okay? All right. Let's get to your takeaways. Let's do it. I feel like I'm I'm falling apart at the seams right now. Now I'm starting to, like, get hot. I'm sure it's just hot in this room. I have a, like, a you know, an aftermarket computer. All sorts of neat stuff. It does a good job of he- heating up the room, that's for sure. Let's us scroll down to takeaway time. We're starting up top today. Lamdius seems like in every Seahawk game we lose major players to injury. Hope Ward and Greenlaw okay are okay. Yep, we talked about it. And uh, like I said, that is really the only thing that I feel like the forty that can hold the 49ers back at this point. They've got a lot of confidence. They've they've shown some impressive things. The three, I think they've won five in a row now. The three-game losing streak is well behind them. Um, and now they just need a little bit of luck and health to be on their side. So I'm with you. Let's all hope that Ward and Greenlaw are okay. Jeffrey K. Lyles at Lyles Movie Files. I kind of like how the Niners are playing like the baddest dudes on the block right now. They are. They're They're playing with a little bit of a bully mentality, and that's always okay. As long as it's not costing you yards and costing you plays. Uh, I never get tired of watching the Seahawks take losses after years of Pete and Russ. Man, no kidding. Laughing all the time. 
Chewing gum, laughing. Chewing gum and laughing. Looks like the Cardinals are back on the menu, boys. Ooh, a little Lord of the Rings quote dropped. I mean, Jeffrey K. Lyle's stock soaring upwards. Looks like Beats back on the bird has been on the menu for multiple weeks, and it's going to be on the menu for two more weeks. Remember, bird tour. It's on right now. Bird is the word. The 49ers have beaten three birds in a row, a Seahawk, an Eagle, and a Seahawk. Now they've got a Cardinal, and then they've got a Raven. Okay? Bird tour. Well done, Jeffrey K. Uh, Sky said, would you consider this that gritty win that we've been missing? Um, I think that's a great question. I think that's a great question, especially if you're referring to kind of what I've talked about in the past, where the 49ers really, they would either blow a team out or they would uh, they would find some weird way to lose. And I know that's, you know, they've only lost three times, but I think you guys would agree with me on that. It's It's just this weird contrasting way of winning. It's either ugly or really good. Um, I would consider this mostly one of those gritty wins, and I do give them a little credit because division wins, especially against opponents that really don't give a damn, you know, that that don't have anything to lose other than to ruining your playoff seating. I would give this a little bit of that gritty win status. The only problem I have with it, though, is it's almost like the 49ers made it gritty by not playing as clean of a game as they should have. Think about how many points were left off the board with, you know, Nick Bosa jumping off sides, which wipes out that interception midfield. Brandon Ayuk fumbling that football when he was streaking down the field and was going to gain more yards before he was, he was going to get tackled. But, you know, he fumbles there. That looked like a touchdown ready to happen. What are the other mistakes I said? You guys, you guys get the point. You know, Brandon Ayuk's poorly ran route that result in a tipped interception. Uh, you know, if Ronnie Bell doesn't, you know, if you know if he if he just trips and doesn't even try to block the guy the 49ers still at least keep the ball moving. So to me it only felt gritty because the 49ers were just a little underperforming, but I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give them a gritty win. We're going to put it on the stat sheet. Sui Generis chances Lenore gets suspended. I think pretty good, honestly. The dude ran into the scrum and just threw a massive uppercut that you can't miss. Tiger uppercut. If you don't know what it is, just google it. It'll be fine. It'll be an immediate search result. Fred Warner's wife. <laughs> this is uh Jamasta. Jamasta T always changing his name. Fred Warner's wife. The 49ers rub hot sauce in the eyes of a divisional opponent as they beg to be rescued from quicksand. Huge and necessary W. I'm with Eric Crocker rooting for Dak Prescott tonight. Everybody was. I, I don't I don't I don't care for the diehard not I mean, I'm not saying I don't care for them like I don't like them. But I'm not I'm not buying the diehard Niner fans that were like, I'm never gonna root for the Cowboys, guys. Like, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, the Cowboys just did the 49ers a massive favor. Now, can the 49ers take advantage of it? Four more games. Um, Antshar, bit of a come down after the Eagles game. I agree, absolutely. But unlike after the Cowboys game, yeah, that was when the three losses in a row started. The Niners got it done. Purdy, Purdy, again, a great performance after looking a little shaky at first. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you said it. Uh, the 49ers did start off with um, – they started off with a touchdown thanks to Christian McCaffrey running for 73 yards, and then Jordan Mason punched in. But then they had two punts and an interception after that, and uh, two of those were three and outs. I mean, the interception was on the fourth play of the drive. It wasn't a three and out. So it was clear that – 
and the Seahawks looked intent on taking away the middle of the field for a little while. It took Purdy a little while to realize what they were doing. And then they kind of adjusted and started forcing the defense to respect what they were going to do. And then they went just right back to beating him over the middle again. So uh, there were even a couple passes to George Kittle. I wouldn't necessarily call him hospital balls, but he set George Kittle up for some hits and George Kittle got rattled a little bit. And we've seen that before. Purdy loves to throw over the middle. George Kittle's the over the middle guy along with Ayuk, but just different routes against different defenses. So little different, but they eventually got it going. Um, he just works it out. Great deep passes too. not bad for a quarterback who hasn't got an arm. Yeah. It's the thing with Purdy is he compensates with not having like an elite arm. He has plenty of arm strength. He's fine. He has an NFL arm. It doesn't matter. Um, but he compensates with it with uh, anticipation and timing and knowing when he has to release the ball. Cause there's, there's two ways to throw a deep ball, two ways. You can either kind of let the play develop, or maybe you're just not a fast quarterback and you have a strong arm, so you're slinging it 50 yards downfield, and you know maybe the receiver is separated. Or you're a timing quarterback where you're actually just taking your three, five, and 49ers case, sometimes seven, step drop and slinging it on time. And the quicker you get the ball out, the f- closer the receiver will be to you on the field. You're not letting them get 50 to 60 yards downfield. You're throwing it at 30 to 40. Um, but if your timing is good and your accuracy is good, it produces the same results. So uh, Purdy definitely has the timing and accuracy down. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's a great, great, great contribution. Ant Shar too fresh, loved seeing some defensive formations that had Bosa chase Gregory out there in the same time, dude, dude, I'm glad you said this. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but do you guys remember in the last episode? I, I'm, 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 I should not be this excited about this. But do you guys remember when I mentioned taking Bosa and Chase and putting him in the middle of the formation? Well, they fucking did it, and he got a sack. <laughs> and I felt so proud. I was like, I was like, I'm talking to my wife. I was like, Katie, look, they did it. They they put him in the middle, and, and it worked. Like I like I was some sort of aspiring defensive coordinator because I said one thing that defenses have done before. You got, let me be excited, okay, guys? Come back, come back, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're almost done. Come on, come back, sit down. Seattle couldn't handle that pressure. Seattle whiteouts are a bunch of wannabe tough guys. They kind of DK Metcalf is just a, I mean, he's a giant baby, but he's a total baby. Even Jackson Smith and Jigbus kind of started to show that same. I don't think anybody has anything, any problem with Tyler Lockett. That dude is kind of like nails, you know, even in this point in his career, the 49ers would love to have a guy like that, you know, but do they need him? Absolutely not. So I'm just saying he's, I like him, but DK Metcalf and uh, Smith and Jigba got a 15-yard penalty for punching Ambry Thomas in the face. He was lucky he didn't get thrown out. It wasn't quite a punch. It was more of a shot, but you get what I'm saying. Credit to Fred for not throwing a shot. Yep, kind of just let DK Metcalf be an idiot. Low-key thought Trent was going to suplex someone. Oh, my gosh, dude. Trent Williams, man, the the battle royale victor. We know it. We're t- still talking about it. But, yeah, he he wins scrums, too. So, Graz, Ambry got beat on the DK touchdown, but I thought he played it well. I agree. He, he he let DK get behind him, which is what DK does. He was in decent position, put his hand up, but was just a little late finding the ball and and, it, and basically just flew right by his arm as he put his arm out. So It wasn't a horrible play. It was more of a freak play than anything else. It was a great ball, great placement. 
even that coverage was okay. He doesn't get enough love for stepping up this year. He's starting to. Uh, I think that he has a a huge part in, but I agree with you. He probably doesn't get enough, but he, he has probably has a pretty big role in the 49ers turnaround. You know, it kind of coincided with him getting back out there and, and Steve Wilkes come down to the sideline home fielder. No, I like, I like the biggest opponent standing in the 49ers. Oh, I think the biggest, I feel like the biggest opponent standing in the 49ers way this year would be health. Yeah. We've already talked about it. Stay healthy. And I like the odds. I agree. You look at the other teams right now. Dallas looks great, but the 49ers have played them. I'm not saying that Dallas, that Dallas would be the same team. 49ers played them and embarrassed them. Um, the, the bills and the chiefs, you know, the Bills beat the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes was crying about an obvious offensive offsides call that was one of the easiest calls that ref has had to make in his career. So, I mean, it just looks like everybody else's Ravens look great. No taking that away, but the, the opportunity is there for the 49ers. And if they can stay healthy, they have a great chance. Danny says, we won a gritty game. Now maybe the critics can check that off their list. I, mean, I said it earlier, I'll check it off the gritty list if – you know, just to get things going, get a little momentum, make sure that that checklist isn't empty. You know, so check, let's put it on there. Check it off. Go Niners. And for tonight only go Dallas. There we go. See, at least someone is, is willing to, uh, to admit it. David Soto, not perfect, but a good win trap game potential, but still a W. Yeah. And, and, and the way these last games are pointing out, I'm not even sure I would call any of them a trap game. You know, I understand that Arizona's not in it, but that game just, says something to me. I don't know what it is. I'll think about it and get back to you. Sandy Conklin. Injuries. Hope Warden Hargrave are good. Yep. Yep. That to me, that that's probably right up there with the highest of takeaways. Mike McVay. This was a weird game, but I'll always take a win, especially over Seattle. Loved how Bosa got sacks. The first play from CMC was awesome. It was. Let's continue bird hunting season 10 and 3. Hope Philly loses tonight. Go Niners. It, it Philly lost. Philly lost, Mike. So yeah, man, it's it's crazy. The 49ers are in it. Chris, I can confidently say without checking the stats, the Niners have to be first in dropped picks. Man, uh, who dropped that one? Diamond Lenore, Lenore dropped it. Two players dropped it. Flanagan Fowles, I think, got his hands on it. And then Lenore dropped it. And someone, I think someone commented on my Twitter that, man, that reminded me of Kwaski Tart. It's a name I have. Name I haven't heard sometime in a long, long time. I, I'm misquoting it, but you know what I'm doing. I'm not also not pretending that I could do a good Obi-Wan impression in the, in the slightest. I can't do a good any. I can't even do a good impression of myself right now. I hope we can tighten that up because in the playoffs, those will be crucial. It's true. The 49ers have learned that firsthand. Also, let's go Dallas. We're all Dak fans tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're honest in the, we're honest in the takeaway time. I appreciate it. Well done. Oh, you know what? I accidentally clicked the button going back, scrolling down. Boop, 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 boop. David Caudill said, thank goodness they did just enough to squeeze brand to squeeze brand, get the W squeeze by is what I think he was going for, but autocorrect on phones now are so aggressive. No judgment now to root for Philly to lose. And we get the number one seed. Let's fucking go multiple woes. I got you, David. Chris also Jay or Brown smart player. Agreed. Agreed. It was a smart interception and he, he, Already looks like he's around the ball. You know, you, you see him around the ball, and it'll take a while for him to truly get that knack, but I like what we've seen so far. Last but certainly not least, we've got Milo coming in with nothing more than fuck the Seahawks. Sorry, kids. Earmuffs, my bad. 
Um, oh, okay. I was just making sure this was not another takeaway. Man, that that deep shot from Brock Purdy to Debo Samuel was was perfect. Now, calling this now, calling this now. JT O'Sullivan, who if you've not checked out his YouTube channel, The Quarterback School, he does absolutely excellent breakdowns of Brock Purdy and other quarterbacks in the NFL, the rest of them. Call in it now. He is going to mention, and he's mentioned it many times in the past, he is going to mention the fact that Debo Samuel on his 50-plus yard touchdown was not the first option. He might have been the last option. And he wasn't going 100%, which is something JT has pointed out many times, which as a football player, it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to go 100% when you're almost entirely convinced you're not getting the ball. But that's also what separates some of them from the others, including Christian McCaffrey, who goes 100% no matter what's going on. You, you can check the film. That's what he does. But I guarantee you, JT O'Sullivan mentions the fact that Debo Samuel was not going full speed because he did not think he was getting the ball. And then he saw Brock Purdy kind of rearing back for the throw and he sped up and it was a perfect connection. They worked it out, but you watch, he's going to get him for the, uh, for the little lack of effort. Those things can make a massive difference. Imagine. Okay. If you want to know how they make a massive difference, imagine if Debo Samuel wasn't running full speed and Brock Purdy put it out there and Debo Samuel wasn't able to catch up to it. And then you go back and you watch that play and you're like, W-T-F, italicized, underlined, no strikeout. All right, shout out to J.T. O'Sullivan, the quarterback school. Just absolutely excellent content. All right, everybody, that was not a short podcast. I understand I felt, I, I felt, I, I suppose, and sounded horrible for all of it. Thank you for dealing with my breaks to sneeze and to blow my nose. It's just one of those days. I'm sure there's so many people out there that can relate to me. Try to relate to me. Try and emphasize. emphasize. I can't even speak, guys. Have empathy for me. That's what I'm trying to say. Empathize. Man, one of those days. And tomorrow's Monday. F me, right? <laughs> Super bad. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I'm just I'm I'm just here showing showing love for the fact that it's just been another great season from the 49ers standpoint, providing me the opportunity to to have great uplifting content. You know, when they win, it's more fun around here. Um, so, I, but and I appreciate all you guys for the for the for the listens and for the contributions to the takeaways. It's awesome. It's awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, but that's it for today. Don't forget PrizePicks.com/slash/gold promo code gold. Okay, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, everybody. Appreciate you for another episode. I'm Rob, this is Striking Gold, and we're signing. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.